Hey guys, welcome back. Episode number two, Reloading Answers podcast. Beautiful, beautiful Texas night here. We are excited to have you joining us. We're going to kick this off really quickly. I want to step through our uh, fancy dancy disc, uh, disclaimer here. On the Reloading Answers podcast, you will hear us discuss various load data for various cartridges, powders, bullets, and primers. You'll hear us discuss various combinations of those components. We are in no way, shape, or uh, shape or form recommending you try any of those combinations and are not responsible for any damages that may occur to you or your firearms as a result from trying these, uh, from trying the things you hear on this podcast. Take care and always please, we uh, ask you to stick to published loads. So tonight, Listeners, we welcome all new and prospective reloaders. This is the Reloading Answers podcast. We hope to get folks out there that are thinking about reloading or just starting off. We really, it's our mission to make sure that you come to our podcast, get some concise information that you can start and take back to the bench right away. Today, we're going to step through some high-level definitions, some, uh, some high-level terms that you may be familiar with, you may not be, and we're going to cover a topic this evening that I have not seen covered. I have not seen covered in in any detail. Every you know, there's there's stuff out there about every step of the way of every step of the process. But today, what we're going to talk about is actually before you touch one single piece of brass, before you get on the bench at all, something that's extremely important is to document and visualize your brass prep plan. And we're going to take you through and give you some really excellent pointers on what you can do to get your house in order, to get yourself organized and get ready to reload. So first let's kick off just understanding each step of the uh, brass prep process here. Oh, before I forget, we got Buck with us tonight, my awesome co-host. I'm, I'm ripping and ready to go, Buck. Sorry for not giving you that intro. Hey, no worries. I'm glad to be back on the podcast. So, Thank you, man. It's great to have you here tonight. As always. Okay, so really, really quickly, want to take you through again some high-level definitions. Understanding each step of the brass uh, brass prep process. First and foremost, you have to have a source. You have to have a place where you're getting your brass from. Now we're going to cover each one of these definitions in greater detail in a future episode. But be thinking about that sourcing. Where are you getting it from? Are you picking it up off the ground? Or are you buying it? Is your buddy picking it up for you? Uh, and then next up, uh, once you source it, you got to clean it up, right, Buck? Right, yeah. So my sourcing um, kind of comes from all over the place. I'll pick up brass. Um, I know you picked up some brass for me at your last match. Um, I've, also, I've also bought some brass from some companies like Blue Ridge Brass. Um, another good company to buy from is Downrange Brass on Instagram. So that's kind of what, what I've done. Um, I think I might buy some more 40 brasses because it's so hard to pick up and find. So, but yeah, a lot of it just comes from the ground. Um, and then cleaning, when I clean, we talked about in the last episode, I kind of switched from uh, dry tumbling to wet tumbling. And I highly recommend wet tumbling. If you get on Midway USA right now, they have the wet tumbler on sale for like 90 bucks. So Show you buy that. that and uh, like two pounds of the, the, the pins for like 20 bucks or a hundred dollars, $110 you're set and you can start wet tumbling. So um, that's kind of the way I go. That's awesome. Tangent alert. And just real quick, do you get the uh, stainless steel pins? The flash holes probably big enough, but do you get the flash holes filled up with, with stainless steel pins at all? Um, 
So whenever I, like, after I clean the brass, we, we kind of go into that process later on in a different episode. Totally will. Um, I usually kind of check each one. Like today when I was reloading, I was like, before I lube my brass, I kind of like was looking and you, you'll notice it because they'll get stuck in there. Um, that was kind of my qualm, but we can kind of talk about um, why I didn't do that when we get into that episode later. But yeah, they, they'll get stuck. It's just in those 40 cases if they're real small, they'll get stuck vertically in there or horizontally. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, it's, it's a way to go, guys. You guys need to check it out if you haven't done it. For sure. Absolutely. So you mentioned lubing up that pistol brass. Do you throw it on a roller luber uh, and, and lube it or do you spray it down? Uh, what are you doing to get that? Because uh, I typically, I only ever just, like I cleaned up my dies actually, they're right here. Uh, I just tore the press apart, cleaned everything and cleaned the dies. I don't lube my pistol brass. I just clean and lube the, the dies. You lube your um, pistol I brass use- as well? I use, uh, I just use like, you know, spray. Um, I've been using RBCS spray that I bought at Academy, but when I'm done with that, I'm almost done with it. I'm thinking about to buy Hornady one shot. Um, I just use it just cause it makes the deep priming and decapping stage resizing stage a little smoother. I also reload with a case feeder. So when wow. the pieces of brass are dropping down, it kind of helps them move a little more freely in that tube. They don't get gummed up. So, that's how. That's the reason why I do it. I know a lot of people say you don't need to. I use carbide dyes, but I think it just makes it smoother. So, yeah, that's good. That's good to note uh, that. Hey, if you have something sophisticated like a case feeder, which I think I've seen your pictures on Instagram, the thing is super cool. I've got my my basic bee back here. <laughs> she she got no case feeder, so uh, we yeah we just lubed up the. I've never had issues with decapping. Some stuff gets a little stiff, but. Yeah, so lubing there, you can for rifle. And then if you have carbide dies for pistol, um, not really a necessity. We can cover that, though, more. We'll, we'll dedicate some more time to that. So next up, you mentioned decapping a little bit. Once you get those cases lubed up, it's time to decap it. What, what are we talking about? When we say decap, tell me like I'm five. What are we doing? So basically, when you take a once-fired piece of brass, which is usually the brass that you can find pick, to pick up on the range or buy dirty or people will send you, uh, there's still the spent primer in it. So usually on almost every reloading press I've ever seen, the very first station, um, the die has like basically has like this steel pin. And so when you run that shell plate up into that die and the brass goes in there, it kicks out that that die. Or not that die, that that spent primer. Um, you can buy processed brass that doesn't have that in there, but um, you know, I'm a cheapo, so I buy dirty brass or pickup brass. But that's that's basically what totally. it does. It just kind of it kicks out that 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 spin primer. So when you hear that word um, decap, that means that you're just getting rid of um, the spin primer in your brass if it's not already not there. So exactly, and we've all played with cap guns. We know you know you put the cap in the little the revolver and you slam it, it snaps. <laughs> uh, it's funny. I've always find, found it funny that we buy pistol primers and we buy rifle primers. And no one ever. I'm, it's pretty old term i guess refer to them as cap but within the reloading process we still refer to removing the primer as decapping as a cap decap it not not (laughs) deprime it it's decap it yeah heaven forbid that we deprime it we got to decap it i think we're spoiled too i'm not sure we got blue presses out here folks so uh, i got like one piece of rcbs equipment back there it's my uh it's my lathe uh but from what I understand, we're spoiled because our decapping pins on the Dylan, Dylan carbide dies, they're super fly. They actually will have a 
a mechanism of spring and they're spring loaded. So they'll thump back down and shoot that primer off into this little tub right here. So right. Uh, from what I understand, not all dyes do that. So, but I could be wrong. Holler at me uh, in the comments or something and tell me if I'm wrong on Instagram or something. So after we resize, uh, you want to resize your pistol and your rifle next up you'll trim i have never trimmed a piece of pistol brass in my life i would in fact my mentor that i mentioned on my first episode it's like joe if you're trimming if you're trimming pistol brass dude you're you're in another realm <laughs> so how about you are you trimming that pistol pistol brass back buck um i've never trimmed pistol brass um i don't uh, I don't really do that kind of stuff, man. Um, I, I, with most dyes, they resize it enough to where you don't have to. And I, I shoot nine millimeter and forty, so you don't really need to. Now, some some dye, you know, some brass. Not all brass is the same, so you might get some brass that's different sizes. But it's it's like you know, um, and you're not shooting. You know, you're not doing PRS. You're not shooting thousand yards with your pistol, so it's really not going to make that big of a difference. So I don't do anything like that. I don't do any type of. I I resize my brass, but I don't ever trim it. Totally. And now, tell me a little bit about the width. So I love uh, Steve Anderson. I love Ben Stoger. Those guys are great. We shoot USPSA. Buck and I shoot USPSA. I try to shoot USPSA. I should say. Um, I'm working through. I'm working through my mental management. And, and my process to get better. But Ben Stoger has something called the hundo. I, I think it's a little ridiculous. Tell me, but, but you have a different opinion. I know you have one. Tell me what you use that hundo uh, case gauge for. So the hundo case gauge, basically what it does is um, case gauging, if you don't know what it is, basically it's doing quality control on your ammo to make sure that your round is going to chamber. So when I was shooting nine millimeter, I bought one. Um, I bought one actually. I didn't buy pay full price for mine. I bought mine um, from Shock Bottles website. Sometimes they have blims where they have like yeah. tooling marks and stuff. I bought it for like mm -hmm. seventy bucks. Usually they're like a hundred bucks, hundred ten bucks. Um, really, it's just for quality control. Um, and when you do it, it just helps make sure that that round is going to chamber. Because before I started doing it, um, I had I would get rounds that would get stuck in my chamber. So I like the idea of case gauging your ammo right now i have um i bought a little like a hand like a, like a single one for my 40 um totally. but i think it's very it's very very it's very very tight chamber so right now i just use the barrel of my glock 22 if it drops into my glock 22 and it drops out if i can spin it that's how i know my overall length is right um, we can get into that, that whole process into in another episode that's totally. what i use but the, the hundo is awesome because you can sit there literally you sit there you drop them all in um i have a little right like a um, riser from rangepanda.com and you drop them all in there they all fit you dump them into a box you can put them in a box or you can dump them in, dump them and you can case cage super fast i think it's important especially if you're going to shoot like major matches um, i know some people don't qc their their practice ammo or local match ammo but i i think it's important totally yeah i totally agree so whatever method you choose to after so that's that is all folks that's all in the thread of resizing trimming your brass the case gauging part is that QC, as Buck said. So however you do that, I use pull out my calipers for rifle. I will. I will case gauge my my, my rifle stuff. Uh, he threw up a 650, getting fancy with the zoom backgrounds. Loving it. 
Um, loving it. So next up, so for rifle, since we, we said, hey, we don't really trim our rifle brass, or excuse me, our pistol brass. We're not trimming our pistol brass. We are trimming our rifle, uh, rifle brass. This right here is a lathe or a trimmer, an RCBS trimmer. It's got pilots. We're going to dive into this again in, a, in more depth in a different episode. But you'll trim on that, and then you will chamfer, which is clean out the inside so you get a nice clean seat uh, on the projectile going into the case. And then you will deburr the outside of the case rim so that you when you run it so when you run it up into the seating die and the crimp die you get a nice clean crimp also when you chamber you remove any debris from uh, from this trimming process and we'll show you I'll show you some brass from rifle trimming it gets this really flat edge that stuff's not going to uh, not going to chamber right you've got a chamfer you've got a deburr so uh, talk to me a little bit about about swaging but it, it, we talked last time on the first episode about swaging. Uh, do you, you know that ever you, find yourself swaging your pistol brass up? No, but I know that on some bigger machines, um, like on the Dylan 1050 and RL 1100 and stuff, they actually have a station that you can, you can add a swage and it will swage all your pistol brass. That's um, even up. like the Mark, the Mark seven um, presses. I, I kind of did some binge watching of, a Gavin two of ultimate reloader, oh, this ultimate week. reloader, dude. And, uh, I kind of learned a lot. So yeah, you can do it on pistol. I don't think it's as necessary as for rifle. Yeah, I'll get it. So it's, I've always seen, I don't know if I have a NATO, a NATO nine mil back here. Probably not. I've only ever seen it on military brass and I'll have that NATO cross on it. I've, I just, I throw it in this bad boy. This is a villain super swage object lesson going to throw this up on YouTube for you guys to watch if you're interested. Uh, this thing is really nifty. We're going to go into more detail uh, at a future time on the swaging process, but it's to remove the crimp in the brass that, that NATO and military specifications have required to prevent the primer from backing out during full auto fire and uh, causing a of critical failure of the firearm. Last thing, we got to prime it up. We decapped it. We're going to prime it. <laughs> uh when we what what all do you have any notes for the listeners quickly here as we're talking about getting that case primed up um i would just say when you're reloading the priming is probably one of the uh the least consistent things that people do right when they first start i know on my square deal um i my i guess the, the stroke of however whatever pressure reloading on whether it primes going down on the downstroke or the upstroke you really make need to make sure that that's like the best part of your stroke um, i know that kind of sounds like like a, like a golf term or something but it's true because if you don't seat your primers all the way and you're not QCing your ammo you're not checking it in a match or whenever you're shooting your ammo you're going to get light strikes so i think that's really important um i know that some people do like the hand stuff i know like rifle they have like the hand primers that you can use that make it very very consistent um, but I would, I would just, you know, when you start out, start slow on that part because you really want to make sure that you get the priming done correctly. Thank you. Totally. And I, I totally agree with all of that. The one thing, uh, the one thing I will add the nugget here is I just cleaned this 550 for the first time. I mean, it is, it is like butter. And one thing that I noticed is that the downstroke for the prime step, super smooth. And I'm like, of course, like that's going to, that's going to lend to more consistent priming. So keep your, keep your machine clean. 
is all I'll add for priming. So here into the meat and potatoes of tonight's episode, we're talking about before you pick up any brass and tumble it, clean it, I want you guys to stop. I want you to get your houses in order, uh, prepare every needful thing to get ready to get your reloading done. We're going to talk about visualize, uh, visualizing that process, uh, the, the brass prep plan. Buck, when you started reloading, did you take a step back? Did you do any type of organization drill like this? Was it, was it in your scope of things to do when you started reloading or was it a miss? Um, absolutely not. Um, if you know me personally, um, I kind of just jump into things. I don't really do a lot of planning. Um, I, I'm kind of impatient. I've gotten better now. Um, but yeah, I just kind of jumped into the reloading thing. So I'm trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out my whole uh, brass organization. I was reloading in the garage. Now I have a little shed in my backyard and I've moved my reloading location there. So I have a little bit more room. Um, I've seen some cool stuff that we can talk about, about how to store your brass. Um, but no, I did not have a plan. I just kind of had like coffee cans of brass. Um, I did only start with one caliber, which was 90 millimeters. So that made it easy. So I wasn't having to worry about loading rifle, you know, 40 cal. I only had nine millimeters. So if it was a nine millimeter piece of brass, it went in one place. If it wasn't, it went somewhere else. So, but no, I did not have a plan. I feel like me and you are polar opposites because you were like, you were like all this research and I was like, screw it. I'm just going to buy it. I'm just going to start. So yeah, I do not have a plan. But we'll live to start, start to live, man. Uh, I think that, I think that's common, but for me, I started, I got my machine back in 2016 and it was closer to 20, it was the spring of 2016. And I did research on the gear. I knew what I wanted, but it wasn't until two months ago that I sat down and did what what we're talking about tonight and i had some folgers uh, i've got a bucket down here that used oh, to be i have his folgers cans and Dude. cafe cans <laughs> and, and I randomly have a fish food bucket if i could get to it i have a fish food bucket with 223 in it right now like get that crap out of here um yeah. so so yeah it's it's you've got we've got to get you organized and here's how we're going to do it Things that you want to start considering when you're uh, to cons things you want to consider when you're drafting that plan, Buck, you just mentioned it. First thing I wanted to say was start with start just with one caliber. You could say you went out and you had the the income and the the spending to be able to buy 15 that dies for 15 calibers for your visualization process in software development and, and construction and building. There's always an iterative process where you start small and then you scale up from there. When you're drafting your plan, it's super important that you start small. Try to start with one caliber. Uh, and uh, anything to add there, Buck, on that? Have you? I know you just jumped in and started since you've got your 650. Have you started to to get things organized? And yeah, now that I now that I shoot nine and forty, um, I, I'm kind of developing a plan, and it kind of keeps changing. So right now, I have a. Um, I have a bucket that I used to like, I take to the range and I put on my brass in. So now that is my dirty nine millimeter bucket. And then I have a second bucket that I'm going to put dirty 40 brass in. Um, and then on my bench, on my reloading bench, I have two buckets. Um, one of them's like an old nine millimeter, like, like one of those bulk pack nine millimeter canisters. And I run, I keep all my clean 40 brass in there. 
And then I have a tall Folgers can, like one of the big ones. And that's where I keep all my clean nine millimeters. So um, I clean in small and like batches. So not, I don't, I don't clean like, you know, if I have 5,000 pieces of brass, I don't clean all of them. I clean them as I need them. And that, that way I have them on hand, but that's kind of where my organization is going. Um, it might change later on. I'm not sure. So. Yeah. You're already doing something inherently. And it's crazy because this stuff is, it's like, it's, it's a, it just happens naturally because we get into some, we understand, Oh my gosh, if we make a mistake here, like or, it, organization is inherent, right? So we kind of get pushed in that because we're trying to be safe. And as we're being safe, organization is a byproduct of that. So I've this, I, that's exactly the first thing I did is I said, okay, QC, I've got to start with small batches and you can actually see some RTLs up here of nine millimeter. We're going to go over the RTLs in a second. Uh, but I, that's a thousand. All I'll do at a time is I tumble prep, get a thousand ready to load and then I'll do it from there. One thing I wanted to recommend to new reloaders is start with a start documenting and visualizing your brass prep plan for pistol. Pistol is inherently uh, more simple because we, we, we get to skip a couple steps. We get to skip trimming, as we discussed earlier. We get to skip chamfering. We get to skip deburring. And for the most part, for the most part, we get to skip swaging. So my recommendation yeah. out the gate is start with that pistol, pistol brass. What are you thinking? Yeah, I, I kind of just feel like if you're brand, brand new, like very green to the blue, um, I would shoot, I would just shoot start with pistol because it's much easier. Like you said, you don't have to worry about um, all the other brass prep, prep. All you really got to do is just clean it, dry it or clean it and have it ready. And I do the same thing as you. I, I probably have um, close to a thousand pieces of nine millimeter brass cleaned and ready to go and almost probably the same for 40. So um, it's just, it's just the, I think it's the way to go. So totally. that would be my recommendation. Couldn't agree more. So once you start kicking this stuff down in your mind, it's not going to be enough. I want you to, I want you to figure out a spot, a place, a notebook. I was really lucky to be able to grab my iPad and I said, wait a minute. Um, I'm just, I'm going to take pictures. I started taking pictures, Buck. I started, uh, I drew a picture. I'm going to share this picture. I'm going to share, save it as a PDF and I'm going to link it in the show notes. So you got, did, did I show you this ridiculous picture? I think you did. Oh my gosh. It's, it's ridiculous. But it, I went in and I drew up a bucket and it was sourcing. And then I drew my Lyman orange tumbler and it, the brass is going into that and then into clear buckets and bins. So I want you to grab a sketch pad folks out there. It's going to help you to visualize it. You're going to feel kind of silly sitting down. And uh, for me, I love that the process and getting ready to do those things. It may not resonate with all of you, but if it's painful for you, I still recommend you sit down and, and doodle it out. Or if, if you're not going to draw it out, stepwise it out. Anything to, to add there? Yeah. I, and I think you have to understand your space limitations. Like for me, um, I'm, I'm working out of a shed. I was in the garage and in the garage, I had a lot more stuff on my reloading bench. And now that we moved things to the shed, my reloading bench opened up. So now I have a little bit more space, but then I need to be smart about that space too. So you need to understand your limitations. Like if you only have a, like a six foot reloading bench, you need to understand like, okay, I'm going to use up three feet of it for this and two feet of it for this. So that way you can kind of make your plan. You, you nailed it. What I did is I took a picture with my iPad. And then I took 
the 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 stylus apple pencil and i literally drew spatially i knew how big my things were and then i was able to say okay and then i made a note on my my thing okay i'm going to need a six by nine i don't know what size those are i can't remember but i was able to get very specific on what i needed so yeah you got to do the size considerations take pictures and sketch it out virtual reality that mofo i mean you can go on you know hows or whatever the name of the website is and like drop your couches in buck we should start an app where we allow people to drop in their reloading settings virtually right <laughs> Right. We could do like a, we could do like a consulting business and go to their house and tell them how to set their stuff up. Have people um, pay, pay, pay us. One to thing you can to do too, guys, jump on, just jump online and type in like Google or, you know, reloading bench setup and just look at other people's stuff. Like on Instagram, just search reloading bench and just look at people's setups. Like I've gotten a bunch of different ideas from people just from looking at stuff online. Um, and we kind of talked about that in the last episode about how, the internet is, is so helpful. Just, you know, Google it and see what other people are doing. Um, one guy I saw had these, like, they're kind of like the, the, the acro bins that you get with your, with your reloading presses. These like are acro bins about, up here, guys, right here. Yeah. They're like, the like the little, they're like these little blue bins. Like they come in all different colors and it was about, I think it was like two feet long and about three feet wide. And he put all of his brass in it and they stacked. And I thought, man, that would be perfect. I could just slide that underneath my bench and I could put my 40 and my nine millimeter and just dump all my dirty brass in there. So then when I want to clean brass, I can just scoop it out. Um, so that's something that I, I'm considering um, because I mean, a five gallon bucket works good, but it just, you know, it takes, it's, it's not, you know, it takes up space. It's, it's very round. You don't have a lot of brass in there. It just takes up space. So, you know, jump on the internet um, and see what other people are doing too. Yeah, thank you for that, but completely agree as well with that. There's so much to be to be learned and uh, out there from folks. Uh, so here we go as we're going to round out this episode with the last two bullet points here. Buck, you already touched on this, but it's 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 bears repeating in this plan that you're drafting and as you're sketching it up. What I want you guys to do is I want you to determine a QC uh, a QA process for your ammunition reloading. You're going to hear people, you're going to hear as you look at various resources, you're going to hear people who will QC and look at powder charges every 10 cases, all the way up to people who, you know, once they said it once, they're, they're cruising and they don't seem to have any issues. But I want you to consider how many, you know, how, what number of cart, you know, every, so every 10 cartridges, are you going to check your primer charge every 10 cartridges? Are you going to check your primer depth? Find a QA, QC situation that works for you and apply that. Besides case gauging, as you mentioned earlier, Buck, what other things can you lend to these folks to, to get their QA and QC process down? I mean, I, I think your QC kind of depends on your setup so um, and the time that you have. So if you have time to load a thousand rounds, and then the next day go and QC it all, then that's fine. What I tend to do is I will do a reloading session while I might only reload 300 rounds, but I'm going to reload 300 rounds. I'm going to do my QC. I'm going to do my case gauging, and then I'm either going to box it or store it. Um, I don't like this ammo sitting in buckets and things like that. I like to have it ready to go. So that way, if I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to the range and shoot, or I'm going to go to a match, I can just grab my ammo. That's just how I am. I know people that just reload into like, and I also like to know how much ammo I have on hand because I usually don't 
reload in bulk. I try to reload, but I don't reload tens of thousands of rounds at a time just because I can't afford it. Um, so I like to like, I like to know, okay, right now I have a thousand nine millimeters in boxes and then I have about 1200 loose. So that way, when I go to do a practice session, I'm not going to go grab a thousand rounds. I'm going to go grab, okay, I'm going to shoot, you know, two or 300 rounds. So that's kind of the way I do it. Um, and I would just create a process and stick to it every time because that's just going to make your ammo and it's going to make your process more consistent. Totally. I can't, I can't say anything better than that. So I won't. Guys, I hope that you have learned something as we have cruised through getting ready to get ready here before you pick up any brass, uh, get, get in there and sketch it up, get in there and just define your process. As Buck just said, I think it's a great parting note is identify the process and stick to it guys. Hope you stay safe out there and I uh, hope you are excited and, and join us for, for episode three next, next week where we dump, uh, jump into to more details on the brass prep process buck any final comments or parting words um just you know if you have any questions about anything that we talked about um don't you can don't feel afraid you can reach out to me on instagram at practicals buck um just ask me questions and i will do my best to answer them um if you would like i'll send joe some pictures of my reloading bench and all of its unorganized glory my, mine is actually pretty clean people tell me mine is pretty clean um, I'll send him a picture. Maybe he'll post it up on Instagram so y'all can see it. So that way you have an idea of what's going on. We can, maybe we can label what I have where. So totally. Yeah, no, that's, that's a, that's a great call out and it, yeah, reach out at reloading answers on Instagram. Please swing by. Tell me if you're liking the show, tell me if there's any way we can improve and make it better for you. We want to do that. We want to make sure that this is a great listening experience for you. Um, alrighty then. Uh, also, if you could on, on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, li leave us a rating, uh, give us a five-star review. It definitely helps when uh, people search for our podcast, new perspective reloader search so they can find us. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. Thank you guys.